Pastor Dan, and uh, today's podcast is uh, sort of a special version of what would be the Sunday Sermon podcast. We're doing this today because of the weather that forced us to cancel worship on January the 20th. We were inundated with ice and snow and uh, freezing rain and winds over 40 miles an hour. It was just not a safe time for our members to be out and about. And it was our decision to make the call to close the services, close the church for the Sunday morning in the hope that we could prevent people from risking danger to themselves and in a practical sense to keep the church from expending a lot of energy and resources for a very limited outcome. So it was a tough decision. I really despise making this call, but it does fall upon your pastor's shoulders to make the decision whether to open or close on Sunday morning, and I accept that responsibility and uh, hope for the best. Well, enough about that. We, If we were together, there were certain things that we were certain to do, and I'm going to try to accomplish that with what I'll just call a a, uh, in lieu of actual worship on Sunday morning, we'll have a sort of worship digest right now. We would open the worship service, of course, by asking you to look at your bulletin and read all of the announcements. So the bulletin contained the following announcements, and uh, those are some that you're familiar with if you're a regular attender, and some that are new uh, and develop each week. So you're reminded that we have Shiloh gear available. We hope that you'll uh, order some of the things we have, like hats and shirts and sweatshirts and so forth. And, you know, it's fun when we're all wearing something that tells other members of Shiloh where we go to church. Because when your church gets over a certain size, sometimes the only way you know other people who go there is when you see the things that you have in common. So this is one of the reasons we like your uh, participation with the Shiloh wear. Get one of those shopping bags or something and then find out how many other Shiloh shoppers you run into at the store. You uh, can still sign up to be an usher or a greeter for the 845 services in 2019. The schedule is only filled out until uh, the end of next August, so this coming August. Therefore, we could still use your help. If you're willing to serve as an usher in September, November, or December, please fill out the uh, online form or just contact Courtney Heberer and she'll help you find your place on the schedule. Uh, we are going to have our indoor garage sale and bake sale on January the 26th, which is this coming Saturday from 8 to noon in the Life Center, and all proceeds will go to our Capital Improvement Fund. A lot of stuff has been gathered and uh, a lot of things that uh, have taken up vital space are going away and uh, it's not a bad thing because we raise some money for capital improvements and uh, up, uh, upkeep but we're also going to be making space for us to fulfill our vision for being vital to the well-being of our community through Christian discipleship. Shiloh Adult Choir practices continue this coming Thursday from 6.15 to 7 p.m. in the choir room, so please plan on joining in and having some laughs. Joy Group, an evening of joy, is going to celebrate a Valentine's dinner at Mama T's in Huntingburg on February 12th at 6.30 p.m. Order from the menu. Meet at Shiloh at 6 p.m. Evening hosts are Wes Baker, Bill and Elaine Weinberg. 
Second Mile Sunday is coming up in a combined worship service on February 10th at 10 a.m. in the Life Center. So this is a combined worship service in the Life Center on February 10th. It's Second Mile Sunday. You're going to learn a lot about ministry in our community and around the world. And the whole purpose is to fulfill our vision of being vital to the well-being of the community through Christian discipleship. Uh, today is the last day for you to help financially in supporting the Revelation Wellness Program at Shiloh, at least in the preparing of our first certified trainer. So we're still needing $260 to make this happen. So if you're willing to help with a small donation or to pay off the amount, it would be greatly appreciated as we send Kaylee Newton to become our first certified Revelation Wellness Trainer which is a wonderful ministry you can learn more about by uh, reading up online and checking the links there. If you're not sure where to learn more, just call us at the office or write us an email and we'll send you the information you need. Ladies, remember to register for our upcoming IF gathering here at Shiloh in February. This is a women's conference about discipleship and it asks the question, if God is real, then what? Register at shilohjasper.i. Uh, excuse me, if local, register at shilohjasper.iflocal.com. Everything's one word. And if you have questions, call Jessica Henning at the church office. Next Sunday is the last day that we're collecting cans of soup for the Dubois County Food Bank. Place cans in the donation boxes in the narthex uh, outside uh, the, each of the, the entryways for our worship spaces in the Life Center or the main sanctuary. In the church calendar this week, we have uh, the uh, prayer group that meets with me, Pastor Dan, on Tuesdays at 1 o'clock at the church sanctuary, or church sanctuary, in my church uh, conference room there by my office. On Wednesday, January 23rd, we have TGIW, 5 o'clock dinner, 5.30 to 6, children's choir in the choir room, and 6 to 7 adult and youth classes around the building. Thursday at 11.45 a.m., lunch Bible study, and on at 6.15 to 7, the adult choir practice on Thursday. Saturday is the big garage sale. During the week this week, we need your help. Contact Ron Flowers if you're able and willing to help with any of the setup and preparations for the garage sale. This is going to be a fun and it's going to be a, a hard work event, but something that will pay great dividends in the future as we fulfill our vision to be vital to the well-being of the community through Christian discipleship. So those are the announcements that you might have read if you'd been able to come to church on Sunday. Thank you for listening patiently as we do that. One more special announcement. This just in, literally, this is a flash news item that I got at the church office this morning right before I came over here to record this for you. Dine with a Doc is a program designed to allow the seniors to get out of their homes, fellowship with their peers, extend their available financial resources, promote enhanced living, and educate them from a preventative standpoint with the goal of ensuring their quality of life and providing them with the resources and information to make an informed choice about their health care. At times, as seniors express an interest, docs other than those that are medical doctors may be presenting. So during the Dine with a Doc program, you get to listen to a doctor speak while eating a meal. After the doctor has spoken, there's an opportunity 
for the attendees to ask the doctors questions about the lecture or subject he or she is speaking about. After all the questions have been addressed, we will do a drawing or a giveaway for the attendance prize. You're, uh, you are free to leave after that. So, is there a cost? No, there is no cost. Complimentary meal and chance for a door prize. Uh, all while you get to listen, ask questions, and spend time with a doctor. When and where is it? It's starting on uh, in February. It'll be on the third Thursday of every month at Shiloh United Methodist Church from 11 to 1 p.m. This is February on the third Thursday, then every month on the third Thursday at Shiloh from 11 to 1. And uh, you can sign up and register by uh, sending an email or calling a phone number. And uh, what I'm going to recommend to you is, is look up www.dinewithadoc.com to learn more. Dinewithadoc.com to learn more. Or call us at the church office and we'll fix you right up. There are flyers available at church when you're able to get there. So those are the announcements. Now, here is this week's uh, sermon lesson. Now, I'm not going to try to preach to a microphone. I'm not very good at that. What I'm going to do instead is read the scripture reading with you and then read you my sermon notes and hopefully present them in such a way that you feel as though you've gotten something like you might have gotten on Sunday morning. So here you go. Today's scripture reading, the scripture reading that we would have heard on January 20th, is Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Mark 1, 1 to 11. And uh, so let's begin with that right now. Uh, you know what we should do? Something else we always do on Sunday morning is pray. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for this amazing church and the amazing technology that makes it possible for us to have church even when we can't have church in present and real time together as we often do every Sunday morning. Instead, Lord, we are gathered as a virtual church making up for the opportunity that was missed due to weather. And we ask that you bless us, that you help us to give you glory and praise as we worship together now with the word as it is given by your Holy Spirit through your humble servant. We do this and all things for your glory. Amen. Now it feels like we can start. So let's take a look at that reading, Mark 1, 1 to 11. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to see him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
The Gospel of Mark is considered the earliest of the four and is very likely a transcription of the Apostle Peter's telling of the story of Jesus Christ. Although there is no direct internal evidence of authorship, it was unanimous. It was the unanimous testimony of the early church that this gospel was written by John Mark. John also called Mark, as described in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 12, verse 12, 25, and chapter 15, verse 37. The most important evidence comes from uh, Papias, who lived in uh, A.D. 140, who quotes an even earlier source as saying, First, Mark was a close associate of Peter, from whom he received the tradition of the things said and done by the Lord. And two, this tradition did not come to Mark as a finished sequential account of the life of the Lord, but as the preaching of Peter, preaching directed to the needs of the early Christian communities. And three, Mark actually preserved this material. The conclusion drawn from this tradition is that the Gospel of Mark largely consists of the preaching of Peter arranged and shaped by Mark in order to tell a cohesive story about Jesus. The relationship between Mark and Peter and then later with Paul and Barnabas is significant to our task today because Mark heard from one of Jesus' closest friends. And since we are striving to know Jesus better without experiencing him in the flesh, we are driven to the most reliable source of intimate knowledge, his closest friends. Are there people in your life who you know better than most? How would she or he tell your story? Mark's words are taken from Peter's mouth, therefore we are hearing from someone who really knew Jesus. What is the first thing Peter said about Jesus? The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's verse 1. Ironically, Peter's first words about the last earthly impression Jesus left with him. These are the first words of Peter speaking through Mark. And they're about the last impression that Peter had of Jesus the Son of God, he said. What about the first impression? What was Jesus like before the mission began? What was the scene like when Jesus was baptized and his fellow, uh, and this fellow that was known among his kin and community was declared the Son of God? Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Matat, and the son of Levi, and the son of Melchi, and the son of Janai, and the son of Joseph. This from Luke chapter 3, verses 23 to 24. Therefore, Jesus was supposed to be the son of Joseph. And then at his baptism, he is declared the son of God. It is important to understand religious ties and business practices of the time in order to grasp the connections people had. Communities were necessarily interdependent. Villages like Nazareth could provide skilled craftsmen like Joseph, who used to uh, use the ready resources in his vicinity to meet the needs of others. 
In other words, Joseph was a carpenter, so he used the wood that was accessible in his region in order to provide his particular craft. Fishermen like Simon, that is Peter's dad, John, caught fresh fish and sold it to local people and traveling merchants who likely carried goods from Joseph the carpenter in Nazareth. Tradesmen were known by reputation. Then, when faithful Jews traveled to Jerusalem to the feast days, they would have encountered each other on the roads. Jews from Nazareth usually traveled through the Jezreel Valley over, the Jordan, over to the Jordan River near Tiberias. The journey followed water routes that provided for basic needs. Just north of the Dead Sea, they turned toward Jericho and then through the Wadis, that is, the dry streams that ran in deep valleys that led up to Jerusalem, also known as the Jericho Road. There were many threats along such byways, so the unity of purpose to worship Yahweh created community among people for dis from disparate villages and towns. Imagine a school bus that gradually picks up children from many places along its route and then deposits them in one school building for a time. Relationships formed along the way and upon arrival. Stories were told, news was passed along, and even some deals were struck. With that in mind, recall the many subtle hints in the Bible that suggest Jesus and his earliest disciples were probably already acquainted and may have been friends for a long time. In that spirit, I like to imagine Jesus and Simon, that is Peter, meeting up as teenagers on the way to the city. And one says, hey pal, how have you been? You still smell like fish, I see. And the other replies, yeah, and you're still full of sawdust, especially between your ears. Then they shove each other and laugh. After years of this and maybe more, a moment arises when Simon's brother Andrew runs up and declares, we have found the Messiah and you'll never guess who it is. And then Simon is standing in front of his old friend. He knows something is different, but he can't wrap his mind around it. Read John chapter 1 verses 40 to 42 or Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. It seems like the rumors could be true. He is always different you know that but his mother has often talked about his angels and miraculous birth and the journey to Egypt and Joseph's dreams but now you have to make a choice if it is true what will you do it is after all a matter of faith if if there ever was one and Simon what did he do he followed Jesus would you Peter and all those who encountered Jesus had to make a decision about him. It could be best summed up using a famous quote from C.S. Lewis's famous assertion, that is, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say, says Lewis. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He was either a lunatic or he said these sort of things because they were true. He would be a lunatic on one level with the man who says he is a poached egg. 
or else he would be a devil from hell. You must make a choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God, but let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. And this is C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity. We are still confronted with this question. Is Jesus the Son of God? And if so, what does that mean to you? For some of us, it's easy to believe in the miracle-working Son of God, so much so that we imagine him as more than human. But to deny his humanity is to deny his acceptability as our propitiation or our sacrifice that covers our sin. It must have been hard for such persons to hear me call him an ordinary child last week. Was it hard for you? Similarly, some will find his humanity easy to embrace, but his divinity another thing entirely. If so, they must ask the same question asked by those who knew him in the flesh. How do you feel about Jesus' divinity? What is so compelling about the human being who could convince people that he was God? Getting to know the real Jesus should be easy, if all it takes is a confession and a profession. Confessing your sin nature and need for a Savior and then professing your faith in him as your Lord should be enough, right? Well, think about it this way. You've just met the love of your life and you feel sure that the remainder of your days should be spent with this exquisite person. A series of courtship rituals are observed and then there's a marriage. What do you do with the rest of your lives together? You work through the day-to-day -day issues, through the big problems and the moments of celebration. You grow more deeply in love by learning each other's story. You learn how the other responds to certain situations, solves problems, prioritizes the stuff of life. A relationship with Jesus is no different. How has your relationship with Jesus, the Christ, changed and grown since you first believed? What have you done to grow the relationship? How have you done with precious human relationships of many kinds? What would you change if you could? Do you believe that Jesus can restart with you whenever you really want to? Knowing Jesus as both the Son of God and the Son of Man, how do you relate to him? And are you willing to accept him as both? And what about relationships, like the relationship between yourself and someone dear to you? To what extent do you invest in growing that relationship and making it more every day through constant love and constant nurturing? If that's been a problem for you with human relationships, then you can probably understand why your relationship with Christ has also been problematic. So join me then in prayer that God might change the way we relate with one another so that we can learn to relate better with God, our Creator, through His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the help of the Spirit. Almighty God, thank you for your word. Now burn it upon our hearts for the transformation of our nature. 
so that we truly can be more like you every day. Help us to change the relationships we have with each other so that we can see how to improve our relationship with you. We ask this in the name of one who makes it possible, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you.